The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, this lesson that I've come around to is the fact that what I do today, what I do tomorrow, what I do next week, which is the short game, is what dictates my long-term health with diabetes. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Insulone Podcast, and it's me, as you know, Owen, with my good friend and producer, Mr. Graham O'Toole. What's happening, Graham? What is going on? I'm very jealous of your view. You are in New York City. Yes, sir. You have your new microphone. You have uh, a beautiful view of the Empire State Building in your background. I mean... Does life get much better, uh, Mr. Oncastle? I don't think it does. <laughs> I don't think it does. And it's funny because now the Insulon podcast is actually international. International. Even though I'm just on a short trip. <laughs> well, uh, like, do, do you miss, what's your view when you look out? Because I know you're uh, in your office, you're in the attic room in your office in Bray, mm. County Wicklow. Republic of Ireland. What is your view out that Velux window on your roof? So the Velux window in Bray, which and who I absolutely love, um, is basically just the sky because when I'm sitting at my desk, I can't see anything because it's Ah, kind of like those those skylight windows that are like 45 degree angle with the the angle of the Mm. roof. So I just see the sky, but the window that I'm looking out right now um, is what you call the New York skyline, which is phenomenal. So I'm looking directly at the Empire State Building. And like I said to Graham before we press record, we're kind of getting into that dusk time of mm-hmm. day where the sky kind of turns pink, kind of turns blue, kind of, well, it's always blue, but it's like a, a nice mixture of colors. And when the city lights turn on at that time, it's just an amazing sight to see. So I'm definitely trying to take it all in right now. <laughs> what time is it? 10 to 3 in the afternoon there now, is it? 10 to 4. 10 to 4. Okay, it's 10 to 9 here. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Five hours nine. behind. Well, 
I what I want to say to you um, and on behalf of the Insulone podcast is because today is a very special episode. We want to say. Not necessarily your birthday, but it's your diabetic birthday. Your diabetes is 11. Well, turned 11 last week. It did. It did. I was wondering what you were doing with your phone there for the whole time. I was like, is he texting while I'm doing this podcast? Because I kept on turning my microphone off and I kept on forgetting because I was trying to find the position of the song. And you were like, is your internet dropping out? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Internet's dropping out. Yeah, Stop asking questions. And so, I hate when Graham or anyone is like on a call on their phone. It drives me insane. So I was about, I was about to give out to Graham if that happy birthday hadn't have come. <laughs> <laughs> and we're two way, two years away from your diabetes getting into the moody teenage years. So yeah. you have a couple more years now of them kind of being obedient and being a nice child. But then once they kind of get into secondary school or high school, you know, then, you know, trouble is around the corner and they're going to start mm. causing you some trouble. So maybe it's going to change down a couple of years when it turns 13. Well, hopefully not. It's actually funny because I was having that conversation with a client relatively recently about how he felt as if managing his diabetes was almost like trying to take care of an annoying teenager because because it's like sometimes you can try so hard and you can try so hard and still it annoys you, still it misbehaves, still it tests your patience. Mm. Um, so I haven't quite gotten into the teens yet. It certainly feels like I have been living with diabetes for my entire life, but we're at 11 years, level 11, and I'm looking forward to continuing on this path for as long as I possibly can. And you have prepared a very special episode on your 11th birthday with diabetes. 11 lessons from 11 years with type 1 diabetes. A lot of ones in that, especially because it's episode 151. So Owen, let's get into it because we've got to get through 11 and uh, we do want to be here all night. Get into the facts. Please. What are we saying? Yeah. What is lesson number one? So lesson number one, and again, these are, not again, but these are going to kind of be a mixture of diabetes-related lessons that I feel I've learned from my 11 years up to this point, but also some life lessons thrown in there because obviously diabetes is such a massive part of my life. So they, those sorts of lessons with diabetes and life kind of overlap to an extent. So lesson number one is confidence in how you manage your diabetes transfers into other areas of your life. And this is something that I was speaking to somebody only last week about. And how when you get diagnosed with diabetes, it is initially a huge shock. You are different to everybody else around you. You have no idea what's going on. You have to live your life very differently to how you did live. You have to count your carbs, you have to take your insulin, you have to consider this condition almost every second of every day. And initially that is a huge setback. But from my experience personally, and even from my experience working with other diabetics around the world too, the confidence that you, and I feel so unbelievably passionate about this, the confidence that you get from managing your diabetes consistently is a confidence that you can't get from anything else. 
and the confidence that you get from that transfers into other areas of your life. Because I feel that if you're confident in some things, you may not be confident in others, but I feel that confidence can always kind of overlap again and, and benefit you in other ways anyway. But I always view it as because I am incredibly confident about how I manage diabetes and diabetes is a relentless condition. It's incredibly complex. It's incredibly difficult. And the confidence that I have grown within my own management has led to confidence in other areas of my life. And I feel I am not arrogant, but I am a confident person, largely down to me managing my diabetes. And sometimes I think about it as this thing that's like, well, if I can manage this thing every single day of every day I live, then how can I not be confident? Because it's, you are constantly tested physically, mentally, emotionally, and you just have no other option but to deal with it. And I think the confidence that you get from that is a confidence, a confidence that is powerful in other areas of your life too. Did I see on your Instagram, it was maybe even only yesterday, I was trying to find it there, but it must have been on your story that it's disappeared, that one of your clients, did they get a promotion in work and they feel like, you know what, the confidence I've got from going through your program and figuring out my diabetes, commanding my diabetes has helped them in their professional life. Yeah, so just last week, a member of the Type 1% program that I run, obviously, um, was basically appointed to the board of directors of her company. And this is somebody who has had diabetes for decades, a very, very long time, and has struggled with it throughout that period too. But in recent months has really tightened things up, has really seen the benefit on energy, mood, performance, sleep, quality of life, you know, understanding food, understanding insulin, understanding exercise. And as a result, much like I'm talking about right here, that confidence had transferred into another area of her life where she has more energy. She has more more ability to focus and concentrate on on things that are outside of diabetes. So yeah, basically she sent me a message last week saying she has been appointed the board of directors largely down to the impact that managing her diabetes up to this point has had. So um, yeah, that one meant a lot, which was great to hear. That's class. And if she's listening, congratulations from all of us at the Insulone Podcast. I want to say from all of us, like we have a massive team behind us. (laughs) (laughs) Just me and Owen. (laughs) (laughs) Right, moving on. What's the next one, Owen? Everybody in the boardroom. Um, So number two is, and again, again, these are things that I just feel, I feel passionate about all these. Number two is nobody's going to do it for you. And what I mean by that is, If for whatever reason you think, and again, this is my perspective, obviously people are younger kids with parents, et cetera. But if you are under the impression that you can rely on somebody else or that somebody else is going to save you from time and range or A1Cs or habits or decisions or actions, it's not going to happen. Diabetes is an incredibly personal condition. And I've said it before, in a, in a way, you have to be your own doctor because you live with it every single second of every single day. 
and what's required of you on a daily basis can't be done by anybody else. So the lesson that I have learned from diabetes is the fact that, yes, people around me love me and care about me, of course, but nobody is going to do what I need to do consistently to manage my diabetes. So that's two down on. What is the third lesson from your 11 years of type 1 diabetes you've learned and you'd like to share with the podcast today? So number three isn't specifically in relation to diabetes, but still kind of is because when I live my life, (laughs) I still have diabetes. But the older that I get, I'm I'm not old, but I'm the oldest that I have ever been. The older that I get, the more I realize the small moments in my life are actually the big ones. And that could be going for a walk, could be watching TV with somebody, could be anything. But the smallest moments are the biggest ones. Right, let's keep it going. What is number four, the fourth lesson that Owen Costello has learned? Number four, and this is vitally important, your overnight blood sugar is incredibly valuable. I say that because this is something that we go through in the program a lot. This is something that I preach a lot and something from my own perspective, I focus a lot on. And a lot of the time, because we are physically asleep, it, sometimes it can, it can kind of feel as if, ah, oh, well, you know, I'm asleep. I don't really need to worry about my diabetes. I'll worry about it tomorrow. Whereas when I look at that logically, we are asleep for... of our day, 30% of our week, 30% of our month, 30% of our lifetime with type 1 diabetes. So if we can prioritize our overnight blood sugar and try and keep ourselves in range as much as possible, that compounds over time and leads to a massive amount of time of us actually being in range with our blood sugar. As opposed to if we kind of neglect our blood sugar, we neglect how we are prioritizing our overnight blood sugar each evening, then let's say it is 30% of our day, right? If we're out of range, 30% of that day, if we're out of range consistently while we sleep, that means then for us to just be at 70% time and range, which is a good number, by the way, that means that technically we need to be in range 100% of the time for every hour we're awake which is a difficult thing to do. So lesson number four, your overnight blood sugar is incredibly valuable. Would I be right in saying that if you can nail your overnight blood sugar, it's nearly a free hit in terms of getting your time and range as high as possible. That's because it's not as if you're not eating during those eight hours, say for instance, eight hours, you're not eating, you're not running around, you're hopefully not being stressed, you're not thinking about things. So if you can nail that, that's, it's so important and it'll be so valuable and in essence will probably help you out even more so than the other 16 hours in the day. 100%. And the thing about it is, it's like when, when we sleep flatlined or in range, you know, we're getting a good night's sleep. We're actually yeah. resting effectively. And then when we wake up in the morning, we're not waking up to a really high number where we feel as if we've had a hangover from the blood sugar or 
we feel as if, you know, we're on the back foot to our blood sugar that day. When we wake up in range, it's a really, really, really nice feeling. And you have 10 times more energy than, well, I do anyway, than a morning where my blood sugar is really high. So it's almost like the way I look at it and the way I kind of phrase it is my behavior, my actions and my decisions the night before is an investment into my morning after. Because I know that directly what I do or what I eat or the time I eat or the the amount of insulin that I take prior to going to bed will have a direct impact on my mood, my energy, my performance when I wake up the next morning. So I Mm. always, now without being military about it, I obviously live my life too, but where possible, I always try and prioritize my overnight blood sugar as much as I can. Because that, like you said yourself, Graham, really bumps up your energy, your mood, your time and range, and insulin sensitivity. Because if you're consistently not sleeping well, that can greatly increase insulin resistance, which in turn can make managing your diabetes more difficult too. The only thing I can relate to in my life is I remember when I was doing breakfast radio and I used to go to bed super early because I'll be up at 5am and I used to go super early to bed, half eight. People would be like, why are you going to bed so early? And for me, it was like, well, if I don't go to bed early, I'm robbing myself of the next day. I'm robbing myself of my good mood and my energy because if I just kind of lounge around and I go to bed like till 10, half 10, I know myself, I can't work off seven hours sleep. I need minimum eight hours. Mm. So I still like be regimented in that. Go, no, you go to bed at half eight, you sleep by nine and then you get your hours. So as you were talking, I was kind of reminding myself of that because people are like, you go to bed at half eight. (laughs) And now, and now I don't go to bed till like 11 because I don't have to get up that time anymore. And I'm like, how did I do that? But that I always th- I always think that how did you live by that routine and that schedule for so long? And I specifically remember when you moved to the other job where you didn't have to be up as early, you would instantly see the impact of your energy and your mood because you just yeah. you just had slept so much more. Yeah, it's mad. Right, moving on from sleep and overnight blood. So what are we saying? So next one is you have a lot more control than you think you do. And what I mean by that is. It's easy to be under the impression that I can't control my diabetes or diabetes is completely out of my control or diabetes is completely random or I can't in any way manage this condition. And yes, on days and weeks, it can feel like that because it is complex and you know that from this podcast and you know that if you live with it. And yes, I'm fully aware of the fact that there are things that impact our blood sugar we can't control, but so much of your diabetes management is in your control. And again, I'm always speaking from my perspective and my experience, but when I audit my management, when I actually look at what I'm doing, when I actually identify the things that give me energy, the things that benefit me as opposed to the things that dilute my energy or the things that don't give me energy. A lot of that is down to a decision that I'm making or a habit that I'm sticking with or something that I'm not doing or something that I'm avoiding. And so much of how we manage our diabetes is in our control because essentially we are the ones that take insulin. We are the ones who exercise or don't. We are the ones who prioritize sleep or don't. 
We are the ones who make good quality food choices or don't. We are the ones who try and actively manage stress or don't. That's just a few that come to mind. Mm. So when I look at and when I'm honest about, am I showing up in a way with the things that I can control? Am I showing up in a way that benefits me? Or am I avoiding something? Or am I resistant towards changing something? And being able to identify, look, this thing is serving me well, so let me keep doing it. Or, look, this thing gives me instant gratification or instant satisfaction, but I know I don't benefit from it in two hours or tomorrow or next week. And so much of, and we've touched on it before, like so much of managing your diabetes, so much of your health, so much of your, your, your energy will actually come down to the things that you're doing and not doing. Now, are you drinking water? Are you eating good quality food? Are you resting? Are you managing and are you, are you being aware of the people that you're listening to or the people that you're spending your time with? Those things impact you, whether directly or indirectly. So I suppose diabetes has kind of given me that insight in terms of you're actually in control of a lot more than you may initially think you are. We're flying. We're over the halfway mark. <laughs> Number six. What are you saying? I hope you're taking something from this, Graham, too, are you? I am. <laughs> Good. You're in charge of your actions. What is your actions? Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. Right. Number six. This is a cliche thing to say, but as I say, the older that I get, the oldest that I am, the more I realize it, time goes by incredibly quickly. Yeah. Amen. And it's sometimes frightening to even try and comprehend how fast things go by. And some days seem slow, some weeks seem slow, but when you actually look back on everything that's happened, not even just related to diabetes, just anything in your life, it feels like it was last week. And I don't know why I always think of this, but I remember I got my driver's license when I was 17, right? And I was dying to start driving. I could not wait to start driving. And I remember my dad was teaching me just like how to drive before I could even do like the theory test in Ireland. I wasn't obviously, I obviously wasn't driving on the road, but he was teaching me how to drive. I just couldn't wait to do it. And I remember when I, I, I did my test and I passed it and I was 17 and I was absolutely delighted. And I remember going to whatever office you go to, to get your driver's license officially. And I remember the woman behind the counter says, like, do you want to have this license for five years or do you want to have it for 10 years? And I said, well, yeah, the ten, let's do the 10 year one. So I never have to do this again because 10 years is never going to pass. <laughs> you know, like, right away. <laughs> And, and that 10 years had passed over three years ago. And I, st I still have that driver's license and look at the date on it from like whatever, when I was 17 to when it expired at 27. And that 10 years just disappeared. And I specifically remember walking, ha like having that conversation, <laughs> thinking 10 years is never going to pass. That's 10 years is too long to pass. And now it's 13. 
Well, another example is you cannot wrap your head around the fact that this podcast has been going for three years. You keep on referencing <laughs> no, two yeah. years. Every time. Every time. How long have we been? Literally, I mean, before we yeah. started recording, you go, so what's it now, two years? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's three years. It's 151 episodes, one per week. It's three it's, years on. It's, it's because if I don't know how many weeks or the year. It was just before the pandemic. We recorded six in my old radio station. I remember. And then we had to adapt and we were recording it on our phones then because we were in COVID. Mm. And then we bought microphones. Yeah, it's been three years. So it's just over the two year mark, is it? Yeah, yeah, two years. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be doing the podcast for 10 years and I'll be thinking, oh, yeah, it's two years. <laughs> right, right, run the home stretch. What are we saying next? Moving on from time moving quickly. Time after time moving quickly. Um, this is one that. I was kind of thinking about a lot recently, but the reputation that you have of yourself is the most important one. And going back to the first point about having that self-confidence in your management and having that confidence transfer into other areas of your life, if you have a good reputation of yourself, you can build a lot of that confidence. And I think the reputation that you kind of create of yourself or the reputation that you have of yourself will largely come down to are you treating yourself well are you showing up for yourself in ways that you said you would are you following up with things that you said you would do are you getting out of bed in the morning the time you said you would get out of bed no everybody doesn't do that i don't do that every single day but it's to me, I always look at these things as like, I can only have a good reputation of myself if I'm doing the things that I said I would do. And it's not even, it's not for other people. It's, it's for me and it's for you. It's for your reputation. And if I consistently say I'm going to do something, or if I was to consistently say I'm going to change something and I didn't do it, then I wouldn't have a good reputation of myself. Mm. And I think that would impact a lot on how you feel, your energy, even your mood and your self-confidence. Absolutely. So, I like that one. Again, that can just be in general life, but also largely in relation to your diabetes too. And it's like, if you say to yourself that you're going to pre-bolus, but then the food is in front of you and you start eating before your pre-bolus is past 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever your time is, you're already letting yourself down. That's kind of how I view it. You don't, everybody doesn't have to view it in that way. But for me, it's like having that discipline to stick with the thing that I said I would do is a lot more important than not following through with it. Like if I say I'm going to pre-bolus because I know that's something that I benefit from, because I know that's something that is a good thing for me. If I say I'm going to do it and then food arrives and it looks good and I'm hungry and I say, ah, do you know what? It doesn't really matter. I don't feel good after that because I made a decision to pre-bolus. And now that almost impacts the reputation that I have of myself. So that's something I feel that I definitely learned from it. That has, again, transferred into other areas of my life, like getting out of bed. If I say I'm going to get out of bed, I have to get out of bed because then I feel like I've lost my morning because I've already let myself down. And the thing about it is your mindset the night before is completely different to the mindset the next morning. 
Because before you go to bed, your intentions are getting up early, going to the gym, cooking a good breakfast, all these different things. It's a whole different story when your alarm goes off in the morning, where it's cold outside, your mattress is really warm. What did I, what did I actually hear today? I can't remember who posted it. But the phrase they used was mind over mattress, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is unreal because that's, I think that's the most testing part of the day. Are you getting out of bed the time you said you would? Yeah. And I think ju- just that example is a good example of what I'm saying in terms of the reputation that you have of yourself is a very, very, very important one. It's the most important one. We should change the name of this podcast to Mind Over Mattress. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> the Instagram podcast, mine. mine over mattress. Get out of bed, will you? Right, number eight. What are we saying? Number eight, again, ties into life, but also is directly related to diabetes too. And without it sounding morbid, because it's not meant to be, but the lesson is you're never going to be at peace. And what I mean by that is there's never going to be a time in your life that's perfect. And there's never going to be a time in your life where something isn't testing you in some way. There's never going to be a time in your life where there's something at the back of your mind. There's something you're worrying about. There's something you're concerned about, or there's something you're stressed about, in my opinion. <laughs> right? And I've come, I've actually recently had this epiphany or come to this conclusion Because I would always used to think this is going on or this is going on or this is going on or I'm stressed about this or I'm stressed about this. And when this happens, everything will be perfect. Or when I do this, that'll fix everything. Or when I go to this place, everything will be fantastic. But there's always something that comes up. And again, I don't mean that to sound morbid. I mean that as a way of you need to find peace in the fact that you'll never be at peace because regardless of whatever I do, there's, there's always something that's kind of stressing me out or there's always something that's frustrating me. And something that somebody said to me not so long ago was kind of tying into this. And he said, look, like whether it be personal family, relationship, business, whatever, there's always something. (laughs) And he said, thrive in the chaos. And it was like, because of the fact that you will never be fully at peace, you can't be waiting for it. So that's kind of how I think about it. It's just like get used to always having something going on. I hope that doesn't sound too morbid. I don't mean it to be morbid at all. No, no, no. It makes sense. I feel like that with my car there's always some <laughs> rattle there's yeah. always something wrong yeah. the light doesn't work the flat tire there's a rattle underneath the exhaust is coming off that's me and I've just listened to you there I have to accept that whenever I buy a second hand car there will always be problems I have to make my peace with it on and you know what you need to just start buying new cars well <sighs> <laughs> we need I'm 10 <laughs> sponsors on this podcast and maybe I'll get a new car <laughs> if anybody wants to donate to Graham's new car fund I'm, I don't need it 
I'm at peace. I'm at peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. What was the right. other thing I was going to say on it? Because I don't want that to finish too morbid, but there was something else I was going to say on it. But it slipped my mind. Anyway, it's okay. Let's, we got let's three more. Let's we got three on. more and you can come back to it. What, what are we saying? What's the third last one? Third last, Next, last, third last one is diabetes is a long game, but the long game is built from the short game. Oh, I like that. I like that. And this ties into the fact that there is no finish line. And some people have more of an issue about that than other people do. And some people find it difficult to comprehend the fact that there is no finish line with diabetes. You don't do really well for six months or a year. And then it's like, boom, yeah, we're done here. Let's go. We're finished. It's completed level eight. Well done. Exactly. It is constant, constant. And because it's a long game, there is no finish line. Your long-term health that, that you may or may not even consider, that you may or may not worry about, that you may or may not get anxious about from time to time with diabetes, which is completely normal. But what you always need to be able to do and what this lesson that I've come around to is the fact that what I do today, what I do tomorrow, what I do next week, which is the short game, is what dictates my long-term health with diabetes. And if I'm, again, showing up, if I'm making good decisions, prioritizing my health within the short game, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, that gives me confidence that I'm doing everything in my power to live long and healthy with type 1 diabetes. Number 10. So lesson number 10 is people do not care about your diabetes. (laughs) And again... I don't mean this to sound in any way more, but what I mean by it is if you are shy, if you are embarrassed, if you are self-conscious about your diabetes, allow yourself to feel that way for a little period of time. But then remind yourself and reassure yourself that people have so much of their own crap to deal with. People have their own insecurities. People have their own shyness their own things to be embarrassed about, your diabetes is the last thing on their mind from my experience. (laughs) So what I always say is you manage your diabetes, do what you need to do. If you need to inject in public, if you need to check your blood sugar in public, if you need to tell people, if you don't want to tell people, whatever you need to do, do it. People don't care. And you are the most important person for your diabetes. So let people do or say whatever they want. People don't care. Also, uh, I'll whisper this one because... Uh, I, was, so I was wondering why you're whispering. Some people who are listening to podcasts don't hear. There are, a lot of people are very self-centered and they only think about themselves. Exactly. So um, don't be worrying about it. I can relate. I, I, I've had acne for nearly 20 years. And only <laughs> recently I've realized people don't really notice my acne. I'm the only one who notices it. So don't worry about it. Inject in public, baby. It's all going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> People you are do. self-centered. They don't yeah. care about the, anyone by themselves. 100%. Except for diabetics, which I've found, who are all very empathetic because they know what people have to deal with. That's something I've learned from my three years on the podcast. But it's not about me. It's about Owen. On his 11th birthday, 11 lessons, 11 years. <laughs> Lesson number 11 and our final oh, one. Right. This is the big one. And this is the one I feel most passionate about. And it is... How you think about your diabetes is how you manage your diabetes. Yes. 
And what I mean by that is whether you view your diabetes in a positive or a negative light doesn't change the fact that you physically have diabetes. So if I complain about my diabetes all the time, and if I complain that I have to carb count, which obviously I do, if I complain that I have to inject insulin, which look, we go, oh, my microphone's falling. We go through these patches and these periods, but if I constantly view it in a negative light, I still have to deal with my diabetes. I still have to do everything that my diabetes involves, but that will directly have a negative impact on my health and directly have a negative impact on how I feel and how I think. And then the flip side of that is if I view my diabetes in a positive light, that also doesn't change the fact that I have diabetes. But if I view it in a positive light, it completely changes my life with diabetes because I am more open to learning about it. I am more open to acknowledging the fact that it's a difficult condition to live with. I'm more open to connecting with people about it. I'm more open to listening to podcasts about it. I'm more open to actually running trials and tests with my own diabetes management because I'm not neglecting it and I'm not ignoring it. I'm also not in my own head about it constantly in a negative way. So how you think about your diabetes will directly and indirectly completely dictate how you manage it. So I'm not saying that it's a flick of a switch where everything is fantastic and you can view your diabetes as this massive positive in your life and there's no negatives about it. That's far from what I'm saying. I'm fully aware of the fact of, of how difficult it can be. But if I constantly focus on the negative, I'm only doing myself a disservice. And if I constantly focus on the negative, then I'm making it more difficult than it already is to live with. Whereas if I try to consciously flip that around into a more positive outlook or positive perspective or mindset, it's almost like you view your life with diabetes through a completely different lens. And the way I always look at it is we've all had days where we're in a really good mood. And we've all had days where we're in an atrocious mood. Even if physically we do pretty much exactly the same thing on those days, the headspace and the mood that you're in completely changes the day. Like completely changes the day. So if you're consciously trying to look at, look, what is a positive here I can take from my diabetes? You know, I eat better food. I exercise more. I prioritize my rest. You know, I understand my body more than I would have. They're positives. If you constantly view it in a negative way, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're robbing yourself of a better life that you can live. That's how I feel about it. That's it. That's the line. That's it. We finished there. <laughs> Boom. Right. Boom. Our plan of getting into it and getting it done quickly didn't materialize. But <laughs> no. Owen... On behalf of the thousands of diabetics that you help every single week on the Insulone Podcast, on behalf of them, I want to thank you. 11 years, I'm going to thank you every single one of your birthdays. We did it last year. I didn't surprise you with any voice notes this year because we all know what happened that time and we Please don't want to repeat do of emotional gate ever again. I hate 
surprises full stop don't ever <laughs> ever do that again <laughs> and I like surprising people who hate surprises so <laughs> uh, Owen thank you very much absolutely fantastic episode and again happy birthday in the diabetes world thank you Bye-bye. Graham thank you everybody for listening as always we appreciate your time we appreciate your ears we know your time is very valuable hear you and see you next week have a good one chat to you soon peace <laughs>